You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. This is the Great White Bell Size with Andre Pru and Michael Pincus. I am sure that there's people listening to this who are surprised that uh, I would remember that reference. <laughs> uh, nobody can see us, but we are wearing our tubes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cold out west there in western Canada, eh? We just got to get a pack of two for, and uh, we'll get us some good old donuts. Uh, I can't believe I got wine all over me. Oh, I sure can there, Michael. You should have poured that out of a stubby. How the fuck did I do that? And the, half the cork has fallen into the bottle. All right, so uh, tonight... <laughs> so we had uh, uh, Brian Schmidt on uh, the program. The program? Yeah, sort, of like a, sort of like an early harvest report. Yeah, so we got him on the program, and... Um, uh, I thought, you know what, uh, I'm over here at uh, the Toronto uh, studio, and I thought, why not open up, I can't believe it, it's all over me! Anyway, this is going to be great for the laundry. This is why you got to get, like, an all-dark wardrobe. Like, I'm wearing a deep navy blue. Well, this is a, a dark gray, but you still got a stain on it somehow, and I don't want to what? know what, what's this thing in the middle here? Oh, that's a, that's a patch of sweat. That's great. Because <laughs> I'm a big dude. I, I, thought, it, I thought it was gravy. Um, <laughs> so, uh, okay, so we had Brian on, and uh, he was talking about hot vintages. Yes. And uh, I thought, uh, why not uh, step back in time? Uh, we really, okay, so first of all, Brian. Well, we really did. St- it's a good thing I entered the podcast the way did. We stepped back in time. We did step back in time. And uh, I, another shout out to, to Brian Schmidt to say this. So a while back, we talked to him about, you know, doing something on the crush pad. Yep. But, you know, you can't, you can't really, um... Well, you can't, you can't plan for it. I mean, it's it's hard to plan for it. I mean, that's the thing is, like, uh, I've even found with, like, the little bit of winemaking that I've done, I have a hundred friends ready to come and help us pick grapes. And trust me. I would love to bring a hundred friends to pick grapes with me. Yeah, obviously you do. But when you get that phone call from your grape grower being like, it's go time... Yeah, and, you gotta, it's, and it's Tuesday morning. It's like, uh, okay. Yeah. So the problem is, I, I don't know if we're ever going to get out of the crush pad. Love to do it, but I don't know if we'll do it. We'll do one on location at, at Vineland at, at some but point. But what, what, what we've always talked about doing is an old Cab Franc tasting mm-hmm. with him. Uh, I have some old Cab Franc from, uh, from Coyote's Run when they mm-hmm. did a breakdown of red and black pop. Still have those bottles? Mm-hmm. Brian, I'm saving them for you, but uh, at some point I gotta crack them. So, uh, it's gotta be done soon. So you gotta get in touch soon. And I don't have any old Cabernet Franc because I'm an impatient motherfucker. So, so, so needless to say, I've got some old Cab Franc waiting, and um, I thought... Well, don't bore us, cut to the chorus. I have no wine in my glass. We have two bottles open in front of us. So here's what we got. We got a vine... So we're talking about hot vintage, 2005, yeah. definitely a hot vintage. In that decade, it was two, uh, five, seven, and ten. I can't even remember what 2005 was like as a summer. That was when I was living in Saskatchewan, and I think I spent most of it drinking cheap beer. Well, that's because you were in Saskatchewan. So this is this was a hot vintage, okay. and um, this is Ooh. and here's the interesting part about this wine. It is Vinelands 2005 Cabernet Franc, Ooh. and I am almost positive that this was the year that was 
really, really, really good. Uh, and Brian made the wine, and then he said, you know what, I, I can't continue to make this kind of wine at this price, because it was twelve ninety five when it was done. Isn't it only like fourteen ninety five now? It's fourteen ninety five, so it's not that high up. Yes, yeah, so it's only gone up two bucks since then. So um, that is my applause for Vineland for keeping the prices accessible. And this, so this is their their I want to call it base model or their opening model. Cabernet yeah, which Franc. is the wine that we both love, uh, and you really love the twenty sixteen. Sixteen was great. Um, the last bottle I had was a little funny, and I actually posted it on Facebook. I thought. I had originally thought maybe there was some re-fermentation, and then Brian admitted to me that there was some the, the previous year, which was funny. Um, it could, And then I said to him, you know what, there may have been soap in my glass. So, <laughs> that could have been my fault. Uh, I have another yeah, bottle or two. the original score of that, I think, was four and a half? Uh, four, four and a half. Yeah, yeah. So four plus four and a half. But listen, because I was, a I great was, vintage, great vintage. You know and what? that what he does with a with a with a straight cab franc. I also just want to take a moment to because uh, I know once again with the type of writing you and I do, we're focused on even from like the vine lines, the Henry Pelham's, the Chateau de Charmes, generally the smaller batch, uh, higher quality stuff. But um, the front of the LCBO is looking pretty good these days. If we're talking about the general list between Chateau de Charmes, Peller, Vineland. And Cave, Henry of Pelham. Cave Spring. And Cave Spring. Oh, yeah. How could I forget them? I mean, um, if you're someone who's listening to this podcast and spends most of your time in the vintages section, which you probably are, um, especially with the holidays coming up, I urge you to go back to the front of the store. I just tasted the um, 2017 Cabernet Franc from Peely Island, which I know I've talked about a lot. It's Usually a very juicy number. Like, it really is. And 2017, tough vintage, I yeah. think, for everyone. This wine is just so... Good. Yeah, I, re I remember that their wine, their, their wines. I haven't tried the seventeen, but it's usually really juicy. Even their Pinot has a juiciness to it. Yeah, uh, and they're cheapest chips, like un under fifteen dollars for those wines. Yeah, and once again, my only criticism about the Peely Island wines, until they're all redone, will be the labels. I know you don't like those. So <laughs> I, I just did the mouth of holy fuck. This, this um, is really good. It's, it's wow, actually two thousand eighteen through thirteen years on. This wine is, at first I thought I, I smelled a little cork, but it's not. It's just a little on the musty side because, you know what? If you well, were in a bottle for 13, 13 years, years. It's a little crappy. Yeah, you'd be a little crappy it's the bastard Pinkus, too. It's the Michael Pincus of wine. So, but I mean, you get this on the palate and holy God. You know what? It tastes like um, dinosaurs. Like it doesn't, it, it has a tartness to it. Like mm -hmm. the acid's good. I'm not going to say it's sour fruit like it's ripe fruit, but have you ever eaten like a, a red dinosaur? I'm not a big fan of sour candy with all that salt on it. There's no salt on it. I, I got to eat some dinosaurs. No, but you like, don't. It's, no, you don't. It's mainly sweet with like a good tartness to it on the finish. This tastes like red dinosaur. This is awesome. Like yeah, it really is. To and hold it for 13 years, I don't know, well, probably 12 at this point because he brings them out pretty quickly. But I mean, like that, there is no way. Uh, you would think that that wine should be any good. Mm. I for for twelve ninety five, come on. And listen, as someone who, like I've said on this podcast, I like my wines a little bit fresher, a little bit fruitier. This has like that dried leather, like it's got the old baseball mint on the nose. Yeah, a little bit of that leather uh, on the palate. You got like the smoke is really present, like it's a, it's quite a smoky wine off the top. But when it moves to that candied note, like that's sort of a dried out confected fruit. Um, Man, I'm looking forward to uh, drinking this, this tonight. Yeah, that'll be that's fantastic. Holy shit! As I said, I think Brian had this year because you know, had two and then you had five, and then I think he said, you know what, I, I really gotta 
dial it back a little bit uh, so that they become more consistent. Because after five, you had six, which was different. Seven was a great vintage. And you really have to dial it back for, for some consistency because the problem is one year will sell it a lot quicker than the other year. Yep. And then people, because they don't understand cool climate winemaking and, and vintage yeah. conditions, that they're like, well, why doesn't this, this six taste like the five? Why doesn't the eight taste like the well, seven? Well, maybe, maybe we'll see a non-vintage dated table wine oh from Vineland to help get some go. of that consistency. God, stop it. I like that vintage variation. I think it's the best part. I do too, but does the average consumer? As we probably know, it is... A big negatory, good buddy. Um, <laughs> so, we're, we're just gonna we're just gonna skip right by that, okay? <laughs> Down memory lane. All right. So uh, the other one I brought from 2005 because I decided to go with the same vintage year is the Elevation Cabernet Merlot. So this is the next step up, but not Cab Franc. And Brian, we know you listen, so maybe somewhere in the Facebook or on the um, on the Twitter on the Twitter. Uh, you can uh, tell us what was in this, but it says Cabernet Merlot. I'm going to assume that there's probably some Sauve uh, okay, and Merlot. Okay, stop reading the bottle and put it in my glass. I want to see if I can guess what's in it. But I, you know what? I'm going to, I'm probably going to say it's probably Franc dominated. Although five hot vintage, why wouldn't you Sauve dominate it? Brian, you got to help me. I wish you were here. Uh oh. Oh, have I got a bad bottle? No, it's still got that same mustiness. That yeah, the, uh, but it's a little bit more pronounced. Like it's, it's, it's got. It's got a grandma's basement smell to it. I don't think it. I don't think it is. Hold on. Don't don't do that. Because I'm closing my eyes and I'm getting that 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 wood paneled wall. And the, smelling grandma's underwear and. That's I don't. What kind of family were you raised in? That's that's a Saskatchewan comment. You had mentioned that before. Nope. <laughs> nope. Although if you do find the reference where I talk about smelling grandma's underwear, please find the episode number. And phone Michael Pincus. I will give you his phone number right now. There's no corkiness on that palate. No, it's None. not corked. It's definitely no. not corked. God, that's a good wine, too. As I would expect, it's better than the Franc. A little bit juicier, still. God, that's a good wine. Oh. And it's... Fuck, that's a good wine. Okay, I got rid of the explicit reading on this podcast because we were swearing less. And now between last episode and this episode... You're going to get us in trouble. Well, you pulled out MoFo. That's a big one. Yeah, but I think I was talking about myself. Okay, and you don't want to talk about Grandma's underwear. No, let's not do that. Okay. No, this one leans, leans a little bit more towards blue fruit. Actually, speaking of Saskatchewan, you know what it smells like on the nose now that that funk's kind of blown up? You know, Saskatoon berry? Saskatoon berry. It absolutely smells like Saskatoon berry. Actually, hang on. I actually... Let's... He's going to the cupboard, ladies and gentlemen. This is kind of like the time that he was talking uh, to his wife on the phone. He is bending over. He is now pulling out some sort of bag, a sachet. Uh, the sachet comes out, and it is... Does, uh, it, not, does it not smell similar oh, to that? Oh, look at that. What is this? Saskatoon, Saskatoon berry tea? Berry tea. Does it Saskatoon. not smell similar to that? So that... Actually, Saskatoon berry, dried, I'm assuming it's dried. Yeah, it's dried Saskatoon berry. It's got a little bit of a chocolate note to it as well. And uh, kind of a tobacco-y. That's really interesting. And I was selling it next to the wine. That is what it smells like. A little bit sweeter in, yep. in here. Yep, the wine's but, a little sweeter. But I mean, I get the tobacco and the uh, the cocoa note and the... Um, the je ne sais quoi. The je ne sais quoi. It's a Saskatoon berry that you, I'm more familiar with than you are. Yeah. Wow. Brian Schmidt, uh, you can't make wine. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that's pretty good, brother. That's uh, and that's thirteen years. So you must have learned something in the thirteen years uh, that uh, makes wine even better. And he's got that little funny machine that makes things better too, right? All right. Oh yeah, the optical sorter. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Every day, every wine I go to on the bench right now is just like, oh yeah, this just arrived from Vineline. It was optically sorted. Yeah. Uh-huh. If, you, if you haven't seen his video of how the optical sorter works, it's so worth searching out. Yeah. Uh, it's just really just cool. imagine a computer that has to scan every single individual grape. And like it's, it's it's just like it's 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 he's the Willy Wonka of of Niagara. And then imagine that as the berries pass, and there's a lot of berries that pass by. This little puff of air knocks the berry out if it's not... If it's a bad egg. Yeah, if it's a bad egg. Exactly. So, Michael, um, we're coming close to when we usually cut these things off. Um, Let's talk a little bit about your newsletter from last week. And I was looking at my Facebook memories. It was a year ago. You and I discussed it. Sorry, that was a Freudian slip. (laughs) Discussed scoring in wines. It really was a slip. Um, so I am going to put this out there. I'm going to let you, hang on. I'm pulling up the soapbox. Thank this you. This is going to be the put last it, chance you put it, have. Put it, put it down on the ground there. This is the last chance. Last chance you have to talk about wine scoring because I am declaring this topic dead for two guys talking wine after this because you and I are just going to focus on what we do best, which is talking about wine with each other. I'm sorry, Toronto Star, your column, columnist and your column is a joke these days. And wineries of Niagara, if you can sell bottles because of what that journalist is doing, more power to you. Please sell as many bottles as you can. Get your great wines in their hands. That's the last I'm going to say about this. This topic is now dead for two guys talking wine from Andre. All right. So, look, here's, here's what my newsletter was all about. Just to, if you haven't read it, go. It is newsletter 290. Um, at michaelpinguswinereview.com thank you very much and um, and it's called moving the goalposts and here's the problem that I have with what the star has done the Robert Parker invented the 100 point scale and the 100 point scale is to put all wines into the same trough and say this one is better than the next wine blah 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 what they have done is they have decided that $20 wines or $30 wines or $40 wines should be put into the same um, category. So you have your $40 wines, your $30 wines, your $20, and then they are scored based on their price point. Without disclosing that week in, week out. Correct. So what you have is you've got a wine that's been given 98 points. Put it this way. Maybe a great wine, but 98 is a pretty high score. Not just pretty high, it's very high for a $30 bottle of sparkling wine that has, let's say, had maybe a year on Lees. It's a 2016. Mm-hmm. Look. Hey, there's, there's, there's subjectivity. You, you there's and I, subjectivity. You, you, and I, you and I had Correct. an off the, off the mic conversation about it, but you and I were entitled to our own opinions. Correct. But what I'm saying is this. You're putting that wine up in consumers' minds who are used to the 100-point scale as 98 next to anything else that they have tried in their entire life. Because the score does not say when the sticker gets on the neck of the bottle, 98 points next to all other $30 sparkling wines that I have ever tried. 
That's what it should say. Not 98 points, which is how it sits on its own. I know you're patting my shoulder, but it's it's moved the goalposts on how the 100-point scale has really devolved instead of evolved. And that's the problem. Unless you can explain your score every time you give it, then the score means nothing. And that's that's my... That's my soapbox stance. That's why I like the idea that you and I use a star system. And well, you and I have even discussed it. Like we, uh, even when I talked to you about it, I would prefer not to score wines. And a shout out to Michael Goodell, who on his website Goodello.ca uh, does not score his wines. But let's face it: when we're writing tasting notes, our tasting notes are not for the average consumer. The average consumer gives a crap about brass tacks, what's the score. It's the same reason why someone right. goes to Rotten Tomatoes. You go to Rotten Tomatoes, you look at the aggregate score, and you don't read you don't read the reviews. No, you don't. That's the problem. So yeah, the scoring system unfortunately is, is here for here to stay. But it's broken. It's broken because yes. everybody keeps moving the goalposts of what what the scoring system means right, to them. So what I also would like to state is that we I'm are going to be doing something interesting. And people should be looking for it in November. I'm saying it now. Look for it. Okay. That's it. We're all out of the closet. That's it. The box has been closed. You will never hear us complain about scoring on this podcast ever again. We will maybe give our scores or talk about some other scores, but we will not be critiquing other people's scores in the future. Are we okay with that, Michael? Can I come out of the closet now? I'm Andre Pru from AndreWineReview.ca. That really hurt. I wish that door hadn't closed on my foot. I'm Michael Pingus from MichaelPingusWineReview.com. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Leave a comment. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, topic suggestions, too. Been a while since we got that. We should maybe do another Wine 101 coming up. Brian Schmidt, you make good wine. Good night! Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.